Thundergrunt. You know, I don't think in our last episode, I don't think we we said who we nope. were. We sure no. didn't. Nope. Did we? we sure didn't. What professionals we are! Well, let's make up for uh, last time by making it just totally impossible to miss. It's right at the top of the episode. Sounds good. I'm John. I am Ron. And I'm Steve. And Shabla. together, we're the Schmovie guys. <laughs> Except this week, we're the Schmovie TV guys. Yeah. So right. yeah, this is uh, TV Schmovie Part V. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. That's we hit the, the nickel. Got a five spot going okay. with the TV Schmeevy. So we've had themes in past ones, and I think we have a rough. We'll get, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about Hannibal for this episode, but in general, we're just gonna <clears throat> kind of run down some television shows we've been watching. I would imagine in most cases we've been binging them. We might have been watching something on Netflix, but I mean there mm-hmm. might be a new network show. I don't know if anybody's been watching anything new of that sort that they're going to talk about tonight. On where? Uh, like a network show or anything? If you watched any yeah. of the new the, the new fall shows? No. Oh, no. a new one? Yes. You have been? Well, does that count as fall? Yes. A network show? Network show, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Most of mine are are returning favorites. Most of the things I'm watching, I realize, are things that I was I was a fan of, and that this is their second season. So I, I don't really okay. have a lot of new ones. So maybe I'll learn something from I you do. tonight. Ron. Well, I think you know one already. Right. You know the one already that I'm going to mention. But just to start things off, what what's pa- happening with you guys on television right now? I find that it's really rare that I sit down to watch television now where I'm not coaxed by a certain show being on my DVR. Like, I used to mm. sit down on the couch and turn on the television and flip around. And even going to Netflix and finding movies, I used to do a lot more kind of hunting for something to watch. And I, in the last couple of years, it seems like I've gotten it to where I don't even watch television unless I know I'm going to watch show X or show Y or show Z, something that I've got an appointment with, whether I'm watching it live or not. It's something I look forward to. Do you do a lot of just kind of channel surfing anymore? No. No, it's, it's the same None. thing. A lot more calculated. Yeah, for but, the mo- for the most part, my sites are set on the series that like you know I have downloading, or I have queued same. up to watch. Yeah. Um, usually, if it's something that comes a- about just through like word of mouth, you know, or I saw something for it a while ago and I'm just following up like a new series. Yeah, I- that's usually how I'll find out about it. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the ninety percent of what's on my box, I are series that I've already invested in. Yeah. Returning series, like you're saying, a couple, new, maybe a couple new series, but not many at all. Yeah, mostly, mostly returning stuff. Yeah, it is interesting now when a show hits, you sort of do decide pretty quickly whether it's one that you need to devote any time to. Like I have yet to watch Mr. Robot. I know you like it, Ronald. I know Steve. You, I love you guys it. I were love talking it. about it before. Yeah, it's great. But I mean, that was a show where it quickly became apparent to me that I needed to watch it yeah. or put it on my list because it, within a couple of weeks, people were saying this show's great. Right. So conversely, when that doesn't happen, it kind of seems like uh, don't waste your time. You know what I mean? Right. Like if a show comes out and it's a month into being on and I haven't heard much about it, it's very rare that I that I then come back around to right. you know hearing that it's actually pretty good. But 
No, I think that, that there's just too much. There's just, like, there's so many shows that are now in their third or fourth season that I was supposed to start watching. You know, like, yeah. The Americans. The Ameri- oh, my God, that's the perfect example. So many people have said, and it, it sounds like I would love it, but every time I look, it's one of those things where the season costs, like, uh, it's $3 an episode on demand or something like that. And then it's, like, the current season, they, they'll they they'll have, like, half the you episodes. You will never learn, Ronald. You know? <laughs> you'll never learn. I'm talking about ease of use. I'm not talking about whatever <laughs> illegal activity you guys are talking it's about. Very you easy. said season pass, and Ronald and I were just, like, <laughs> shaking our heads. No, I would never do that, is my point, though. I would never do that. Like, I rely on demand. I don't go to iTunes and buy a season pass. I don't oh, go yeah. to on demand and buy an episode. I think that seems ridiculous. Like, when, especially when a new season of a show is coming out, I expect on demand to have the last season as well, you know, like to get you in. It's strange to me when a show is like hot and like the Americans being one. Mm. Like the time I used to spend looking for new content on television, now I feel like I'm I'm more trying to winnow through the stuff I know I'm supposed to watch and actually not waste my time. But right, right. it's hard. Yeah. I mean there's so many shows. So oh, yeah. I have like this like like mental internal game that I play where like I'm tr- I try to catch up mm-hmm. yeah. with everything that I have backlogged. Like we use you know just to plug Plex once more. You know it's got the one deck thing where it's like showing what I have yeah. watched of the series that I've watched recently, and it's like a challenge to me. Just like I I'm gonna get that number down to zero. You know I gotta yeah. get them out of my library or whatever it might be. But that's kind of I think what keeps me so vested in like the shows that I'm just I'm watching trying to watch as much as possible as they air you know at, at my leisure my convenience but there are a few that i've i've come across and that those will be the ones that i'm gonna mention two two of them are relatively new if not brand new and one is one that i've been watching for a few seasons but i feel like nobody knows about so um i'll be happy to share some of those yeah i'm excited have you had any shows fall mm. off recently shows that you watch that you don't anymore walking dead for me I'm still I'm still watching that. Um, I am too, but I I, I I realized that I'm hate watching it. Yeah. Like I realized that like I like certain characters, and every season of The Walking Dead, there's a few episodes that are that are great. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And character bits that are great, like character arcs that are great. You know, um, but overall, I spend I spend at least half the time I'm watching that show, like. You know, Nikki and I will get to the commercial break and we'll we'll bitch about the show, and then at the end of the episode we'll be like, yeah. you know, not like, ooh, what's next, but like, oh boy, of course that's what they're doing. You yeah. Know? And then every now and then they'll do something that I do think is really interesting. But I, that's that's the rare example of a show that I feel like I'm supposed to be watching it because I'm part of the conversation, and I do also watch that one close to live because it's one where. You know, yeah, uh, you it's, have to. yeah Facebook is going to be a, a a minefield for you if if you're not. Up yeah. to date on it. I don't know. I feel like I was trying to keep up with like shows like Shameless and Masters of Sex and Homeland, and I got so far behind in them. I just, too, I just gave up on them. The reason I asked about is, is for me, Homeland is one that I, um, you know, I watched it through the last season, and I would have fully expected to start watching it again this season. And then Nikki and I tried to watch the first episode, and we both got so bored. It was we were it was late and we were sleepy. We both kept dozing off. I don't know if you ever do that where yeah. you're trying and you you have to turn to the other person and say, "Just try again some other yeah, time or yeah. something." And then we paused it to get out of it. And this was after like oh, fighting sleep and coming in and out and thinking, "Is this boring?" And it was like 25 minutes into the episode, and I was wow. like, "Oh my god!" Within 25 minutes, it got us that sleepy that many times, and that's when I was just like, "Maybe that show was like." And I'd heard that the first episode of the season 
after that, I heard it was kind of a boring episode. So I was like, okay, maybe it gets better. Because mm. I still, you know, man, you still got Mandy Patinkin. Claire Danes is still good. Like, there's still yeah. good things about that show. Sure. But it has definitely changed enough from its initial inception that whatever was interesting about that, and it's a show that I, fe- I hear a lot of people bad-mouthing it who I don't think have ever watched it. Like, I think a lot of people think it's this jingoistic, rah-rah, America, let's torture people, let's get the terrorists. It's a much more complex show than, oh, yeah. than that, if that's what people think of it. But I, I do think that that initial compelling story was the best. It's kind of like Who Killed Laura Palmer on Twin Peaks. Yeah. When they tried after they, after they you know, explained that storyline to come up with something, they came up with some cool, interesting things on Twin Peaks, but it never quite matched the simplicity of Who Killed Laura Palmer. Sure. And I think that whole question of Brody and what's he going to do, they re- really once... The, I'm surprised they got a second season out of it, Definitely. but it was getting pretty thin in that second season. And I think that that show has kind of cast about. I don't know that it really knows what it wants to be now that it's not about that that romance, you know. Right, so, right. so yeah, Homeland has fallen off for me, but that is not something that I do that often. I usually stick with something once I start once I start with it. Sure. I wanna I wanna catch up the Masters of Sex, man. I really like that show. I've heard it started getting weak this year, though. Really? Oh yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> damn, damn it! Well, let's not get let's not get sad and depressed here. Well, we, no, we, have, we, have, we have some good good shows to talk about. It so. is interesting though, like with a show. In fact, this is a great segue. Watch this, guys. What we're talking about here is shows that live beyond their <laughs> their best period. You know, like maybe it was interesting. Masters of Sex was one that people, everyone was talking about it for a season or so, mm-hmm. and then it kind of seems to have tapered off. But is it's on Showtime? Is yeah. that a show? Showtime's sort of known for milking the shit out of things, right? Like yeah. that's the reason you have the, your hated final season of Dexter. Dexter. You know, poor Dexter. Um, so it, it's a little bit scary when something like because I think the Twin Peaks reboot is going to be on not reboot but whatever the revisiting is on Showtime, and there's rumors that like that could mean if it's a big hit for them that they try to get season after season mm. out of it. You know, I don't know how they could do that without the cooperation of someone like David Lynch on it. But I do think it's interesting that Showtime kind of has that reputation. Really, Homeland too. Yeah. Of saying we've got a hit, we've got a name brand that people want to come back for. Let's not let this thing die. Yeah, let, sure. f- fuck a whole lot of story or where this thing wants to end. Let's keep this ship going. going yeah. Um. But every now and then a show gets cut down, and some people might say it got cut down before its time. Something like Hannibal, mm. where I heard so many people that were sad when it was ending. It's but a great show. But I was so glad that it made it to the end with its weirdness intact, with its weird momentum, and its. I mean, I was always very intoxicated by that show and wanting to watch the next one. It would end, and I would be like, I would have loved to have binged that show. Actually, that would have been one where I would have wanted just to sink into it. But I was really glad, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again probably, I love it when things end, and when something ends in a way that feels appropriate to me, I just couldn't be happier. And I thought Hannibal, I didn't finish you know, the last season. It didn't, really have a, it didn't have like a, what you would call an absolutely flawless run, but it was a very solid, at worst it was solid, and at best it was like some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen on television. Yeah. But the way it ended, without getting into it, it was just, it's just very appropriate, Ronald. Like, mm. when you get to it, you'll feel like, oh yeah, this feels, like, I almost don't know how they would have gotten a fourth season out of this concept the way that they ended this right. season. So okay. so what did you think of the way it wrapped up? Agreed. I mean, like I feel like if I didn't see anything else from this series, I'd be satisfied mm-hmm. as much as I could have been. Yeah. I was actually a little worried the first few episodes of the season. I felt like I was kind of falling out of it a little bit. I felt like it was the show was like I felt like the show was focused it started to feel like it was more on the style than the substance that I was so 
eagerly invested in from the first two seasons. Because the first few episodes, I think they were done by the same director. Just, I mean, I can't, I can't argue that they were like the, some of the most gorgeous episodes of TV I've ever seen in my life. But I mean, I felt like I wasn't, it wasn't moving the story towards where I was hoping they would go in season three, knowing that they were going to be pulling in elements of the Red Dragon story. Well, but don't you, th- that, that's kind of what I was saying about the binging. If you could have binged that, absolutely, it, wouldn't, that, it wouldn't have mattered. That would have been a problem. But you're right. right. Episode three or four of this season did feel like, and that's, we're talking about the third season, it did feel like if I didn't love the visuals <clears throat> and watching these actors play these roles, I would sit back and say, what really happened in that episode? Exactly. You know, how f- did it really advance what we know? Right. Um, but uh, like there's one episode that actually is one of the more kind of dreamlike. Um, I remember enjoying it scene for scene because it's the episode where Dr. Chilton, uh, played by Raul, Raul Esparza, is going around to all the different sort of survivors of Hannibal. And you see that they all have their own kind of axe to grind. Um, that I loved each one of those scenes, but at the end of the episode, it didn't really... Like, that's an example of one that didn't, in an episode, tell, like, a complete story. Yeah. And I would say in those first couple seasons, most episodes did, like, tell something complete. Like, that case of the week stuff. I know some people didn't love that stuff, but I thought it was, I thought that was some of my favorite moments in the show when they would have, like, the crazy killer of the week. And it was, like, watching Will and Hannibal work together to kind of solve that crime. I was impressed that they managed to come up with so many stories that fit within an episode or an episode or two or something like that. Yeah, not to mention that they all somehow like were able to weave it into like the overall story of, of mm-hmm. Will and Hannibal's relationship, which I mean, um what did you think of the 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 post credit scene? Um I, well, I have my own I have my own favorite interpretation of that scene. Your but, own favorite? Okay. Yeah. Uh as in something that some, something that I something or? that I hope is the, if they were to pick up from it, I would hope that wow how can i say this there's a table set in that Mm -hmm. scene um anyone listening to this that hasn't watched the show i would say just go watch all three seasons (laughs) of hannibal i i really i can see why someone would be turned off from the get-go by that show but if you hung in there i feel like most people would be mesmerized by just the imagery and by the even the performances became like better as it went along definitely but that last scene there's a table set i like to believe that the two places set at the table that don't have someone sitting at it would would be filled shortly thereafter by two characters whose fate we might be wondering about. Do you know what I mean? I would like to think that that ending tips us off to the idea that nothing is final and that what would have been a fourth season may have been like murder husbands uh, on patrol kind of thing because they kind of got that idea into yeah. the show. But like I, th- I feel like there was two people that are out of the room at that moment that, that, that might come walking in. But there's other interpretations of like the order of events and yeah. where that's happening and when that's happening. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I even like to think that that could have been happening concurrently with the, the last scene. That like when we, because we see, it's so hard to talk about, but there's a scene where Will and Hannibal are, they're opening a bottle of wine and I would like to think that maybe they were about to go in the other room and sit down at that table. Right. But I, I, I don't think it's meant to indicate that. I think it's meant to indicate that this, that scene, that scene at the end of the credits, I think is supposed to happen after the events. And then it leaves open the question of who's alive and, and what's going on here. But a great teaser. Like yeah. a great, if you're going to end I, I just with wanted that, your take. Well, I, I mean, I almost could have done without very... that, that moment because it did leave me like what happened before that was so final and so bizarre and dreamlike that having that 
made me go, oh, fuck you, Brian Fuller. <laughs> because now I'm going to be wondering about what happened after what felt like a very final, a very final yeah. moment. Yeah, I agree. But, um, yeah, mentioning Brian Fuller by name, I don't think we have yet. Like, the notion that someone with a visual style like him, like, I didn't really watch Pushing Daisies. <sighs> Pushing Daisies is one of my I, I sounds like one I definitely should catch. You should absolutely watch that show. Because I didn't really realize no how much he did that. I didn't realize it did that, though. I didn't realize he was such a visual person and that it had so much to do with, like, almost like a Twilight Zone kind of story of the week kind of thing. Like, I find that really interesting. Absolutely. But Brian Fuller, I just really trust You're him right. as, as, a, as a visual stylist. Like, I just feel like what he was able to do on Hannibal was so interesting and... To anyone that hasn't been familiar with it, I mean, what the show essentially does is reboot the character of Hannibal Lecter and tell the, you know, it's not a follow-up, it's not a prequel, it's a different take on it. Right. And I was realizing today, getting ready for this episode, that what the show Hannibal kind of proved is that Hannibal <clears throat> Lecter, with with that show, he, that character, has passed into the pantheon of great monsters. Oh, totally. He's Dracula, he's the Wolfman, he, mm. he's not Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. He's Hannibal Lecter. Anthony Hopkins played him perhaps most famously. You know, a lot of people loved Brian Cox's take on it in the movie Manhunter. But, like, this just proves that you can come back to that material a couple of decades later or, you know, 10 or 15 years since the last time Anthony Hopkins played it anyway. And and redo it in a way that doesn't say we're replacing the old one. Like, you've got Bela Lugosi's... Dracula and you've got Christopher Lee's Dracula and you've got Frank Langella's Dracula you know I mean like it felt to me or Sherlock Holmes it felt like Hannibal Lecter oh, yeah, yeah. was now a character sure, that could sure. be reinterpreted and you can actually have a conversation of who is your Hannibal you know and at the end of that show Mads Mikkelsen oh, totally, became yeah. my Hannibal absolutely you know for yeah. sure absolutely and I think that's great I mean like I went into it so skeptically I, I was like why are they doing this NBC's doing a a prequel to the hand. It just seemed like it could <laughs> be a big mess. Happen? Yeah. But it was so right down to Hugh Dancy's performance, like right in that first episode where he's, he's so tense and he's, I mean, I love clenched jaw performances. Yeah. Timothy Oliphant on Deadwood is one of my favorite, like uptight characters of all time. I love people who are like, <laughs> you can just feel like yeah. you almost hear leather squeaking when he, yeah. when he clenches his jaw. And I thought Hugh Dancy, <coughs> his, his nervous energy on Hannibal, particularly in that first season where he's really in a bad way. Yeah. And he's just playing an extreme, like an evolving version of a guy who you just feel sorry for, but he's, he never lets up in that intensity. And never in the show did that character really let up. It got to be a point of, like, almost a funny thing in that last season, Steve, when, when you cut to Will and he's saying one of those things. and he's, It's like, to me, that was like a little private, on top of everything else, it was like a little bit of black comedy that this guy is so dark and so driven and so obsessive, you know. Yeah. And they definitely played it for laughs at times. But, I mean, in, just in general, I find that type of character funny. Yeah. And, uh, um I don't know. I thought that that was, you know, I've heard some people say that they didn't like that Will Graham in the end turned out to be more a pawn than a person who really had a lot of control over the situation. I would say that's maybe the only thing they really lost from Red Dragon and Manhunter is in those films uh, and in the book Red Dragon, Will Graham is is like a brilliant investigator, a brilliant, uh, you know, at, at putting together this, this, the truth of what's happening with these murders. And he is he gets the drop on the situation in a certain kind of way that I don't think the character on Hannibal ever really had. True. But they still found ways to give him... It's not like he was totally lacking in backbone, but he definitely was not a guy who ever was able to turn the tables on Hannibal the way that the character did in the previous versions. That's mm. really the only thing they were lacking. Otherwise, I thought they deepened what was in the original work. I mean, granted, it's totally different. It's so operatic and crazy and 
I mean, some of those, the, the sort of barely subtextual sort of homosexual love between these two guys, the show just went ahead and, Super in romantic. and said, yeah. like, let's, let's literally have a scene where they look like they're going to kiss and they don't. But I like the way they left it undefined. I mean, in the end, I would have been happy had they started making out. But I also thought it was great that they didn't do that because I love yeah. that, that by not doing that is as campy and great and fun as it would have been to finally see them just like rip their shirts off and start making love. It was great that they didn't define it as that. So therefore yeah. it kept their relationship in this bizarre other space where they were like psychic compliments to each other, yeah. you know, and that Hannibal who has, who controls everything, right. Finally meets someone who he is so interested in that he can't bear to do the, the thing he would do to anybody else, right. yeah. which is just, kill them and eat them at some point. Yeah. You know? I just thought that was so so deep by the time it got to the end. And you're somewhere in the third season, Ronald? Yeah. Um, first first like two episodes where I felt like, uh yeah. kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, Very dreamlike. I, yeah, so I'd, I'd like to get past that and finish it. You know? Well, I think once it gets into the stuff with Mason Verger, it's really great. And I think the Red Dragon stuff. Talk about a character... Uh, coming to life on screen, I thought that Richard Armitage as uh, Francis Dollarhide was fucking incredible. I mean, oh, yeah. took a seat next to these, like, Will Graham is a crazy over-the-top character. Hannibal's a crazy over-the-top character. I felt like the way the show became the Francis Dollarhide show as much as the other characters in the end, you would have thought that would have felt like like out of balance. But I thought it was, I thought he was great. I mean, yeah. in a strange way, I, I kept having to remind myself, that's... That's the dwarf, you know. That's that's Thorin Oakenshield from The Hobbit. From The Hobbit. It just didn't seem like the same same performance at all. Hmm. But an extremely physical performance and extremely scary. Yeah, do you, do you know the story? Have you seen Red Dragon and Manhunter? Uh, a long time ago, Red Dragon. I saw it right when it came out in the movies. I don't remember much about it. Well, you might just remember vague things, but they really took everything about that and kind of turned it on its head. Like, they, they, they changed which character certain things happened to. They turned mm. certain things around that the, um there's a scene you may remember the one steve with um will graham's wife where she's there's like a home invasion yeah. scene that was that was like as good as anything i've seen in a horror movie this year that scene oh, where totally. she's like it's like a great like staying you hear someone in the house and you're trying to stay ahead of them and you're trying to escape and like the way that she like she's a character who could have easily been like a damsel in distress turns out not to be at all and it's mm. a really great scene and it's just again you don't oops Come on, come on. Nebler, don't attack, Ron. Um, that is she's, She wants love. Um, don't we all? <laughs> but no, it's like the, occasionally they would pull out a sequence that would just be super creepy on top of being, you know, having that kind of great crazy imagery and fitting that sort of procedural thing. I just thought it was such a unique thing. And I really don't know, like... Again, I'm, I'm kind of glad it ended when it did because I, I think the longer a show like that goes on, the more it could kind of outstay its welcome and yeah. become something else. Have you heard, Steve, the latest about Brian Fuller, though? Amazing Stories. Which yeah. seems perfect. So perfect. Like, that anthology format seems like it would work great for him. You were just When you just mentioned the tw- uh, Twilight Zone earlier, yeah. I was like, I hope John read that. Well, it's just interesting because we were talking about Amazing Stories uh, on, in the Amblin episode, and so I've been thinking about it a lot. And then seeing that he was doing that, it's like, I just can't think of another person who I would, he might not be the only person that could do it, but I can't think of anybody else who I would feel better about handling that idea of every episode is going to be its own kind of crazy story. Sure. And the other kind of neat thing about that is the original Amazing Stories, you know, he got people like Clint Eastwood 
Spielberg did. Got people like Clint Eastwood and Martin Scorsese to direct episodes. Yeah. So if Brian Fuller is is if they go with that idea of let's get someone who to do just a, a half hour installment, I, I just feel like with what they were able to do on Hannibal with just the kind of horror they were able to create and the kind of weirdness they were able to create I, and how far NBC would let them go. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that bodes well for the for amazing stories. I mean, it could potentially be an incredible thing. I don't think anybody else is doing that right now, really. That I mean, maybe Black Mirror is the only other thing that's doing that sort of... Oh, my God. Oh, scared <laughs> out of me. All right, Nibbler. Oh, my God, that scared the crap out of me. <laughs> you can have my laugh later, Wow. I saw Dibbler like looking at you. I didn't even see it. Didn't know that the cat was going to do that. (laughs) Sorry, guys. My cat, anyone listening, my cat Nibbler just attempted to attack Ronald's lap, but really she was trying to cuddle up on you. Mm -hmm. And then she jumped up on Steve's lap, but she just chose the two least cat-friendly laps in the (laughs) Western Hemisphere. (laughs) But, (coughs) any other thoughts about Brian Fuller? Can't wait to see what it does. Pushing next. Daisies is yeah. one of my favorite shows of all yeah. time, and then and then this is this is up there too. Mm-hmm. Um, man, you should see that show. You're right, yeah. though. It is really hard to. It's, it's, I, I don't it, know if it's, it's on like a streaming. It used to be on Netflix, not on Netflix anymore. Wow. It used to be on Amazon. Now I think they're just selling it. It's not on. Wow, uh, that's a great show. Yeah. One going too on my soon. Plex server. Two seasons, right? Uh, I don't know. There might have been three. I th- I feel like I heard somewhere that Hannibal was like the first time that Brian Fuller got to do a season three. You're probably right um, then. Yeah, it it's a great show, man. Twenty two episodes. So I guess that's two seasons. Yeah. I just read his little mini bio on IMDb. You may have already known this, but like apparently it says he was a, this is about Brian Fuller. Self professed Star Wars or Star Trek geek. Who watched and loved the Trek series Deep Space Nine and set out to write for them. At the time, Star Trek had an open script submission policy, and Fuller contributed a spec leading to a pitching opportunity. When he had sold a couple of the stories to Deep Space Nine, Fuller was hired as a full-time staff writer for the sister series Voyager. Oh, wow. When the fuck does that happen? Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <clears throat> for the remainder of its seven-year run, working up the co-producer of the series. And then he went on to Dead Like Me. Wow. That's a cool. I, I never yeah, knew that. I, well, I, didn't, I didn't know that that he got his start as a he like open sent in an open policy. script policy. I love Star stories Trek. like that. That's amazing. People that just are, that makes me like him even more. Yeah. yeah. That just that, that kind of cool thing happened to somebody who obviously has a lot of talent. Yeah, has, sure. has a vision. It's awesome. Yeah. It's so funny. It is. Um. So, any particular favorite moments, favorite moments, or thoughts from from Hannibal before we before we let it go? I don't know if it's a favorite one of any one of my favorite scenes or favorite moments, but one of the scenes that comes to mind immediately when I think of Hannibal is I think in season two, the the female detective, what's her name? God, she gets sliced in the basement. Oh, uh, fuck! What's her name? Gosh, uh, yeah, the Asian yeah actress played her. That scene stands out to me because that was a moment where like. You know, it's it's that moment in a series where like a, like a series regular is like gonna be killed. Yeah, and like it's not like a series like they just they die or they get shot or they get eaten by a zombie. Like what a contraption to be killed. Yeah. In in Hannibal's basement, you right. know, like it's like that shot where like it separates her body into like seven slivers, mm-hmm. and it's in the way that the glass sheets separate and like the perspective shots of like 
it looks like a whole person and it tilts and you see that it's actually like split apart seven ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's pretty cool. I just remember watching the episode just be like, oh my god, that didn't happen. Yeah. I, I like that character a lot. And you're right that like it it was uh, Beverly Katz. Yeah, was the Beverly. Character. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you're right. That character, that death came at a time when you were sort of feeling like something like that was going to happen but didn't just didn't seem like the character it would happen to. It was very much a gut punch when it happened. Didn't it? Absolutely. Um, and a, kind of an indication of just how... <clears throat> unstoppable this characterization of Hannibal was going to be you know like because it seems like like he didn't have he basically was the devil you know I mean in the sense that there was no there was no like humanity there was no like I'm going to respect this person because they're good at their job or whatever it was sort of uh, you 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 cross him in any way and he was going to treat you like meat basically you know and they've said that anytime he was eating or serving food to people on the show, you should just assume that he was serving, you know, some some form of human meat yeah. to the people. Like not like wondering, oh, what is that? Could that be beef? Like no, if if you're seeing him like lovingly pass it to somebody, then it means you know he's yeah. that's part of what he loves too. I mean, that character just loves putting people in that situation. But yeah. no, you're right. That that death was a particularly surprising. Th- th- yeah, that, I guess not even like uh, that's what I'm saying. Maybe not scenes, but like thinking about like a death. Yeah. Like that one was like a was like you said like a gut mm-hmm. punch death. My favorite was in a house. I think it was the first season. It's Hannibal walking with the young lady, uh, like the really young girl that uh, yeah was kind of Abigail having, yeah Abigail. having some psychological issues, and the psychologist right mm-hmm. um, <laughs> who wound up becoming William Graham's girlfriend. Is that she, was she a psychologist? Well, she didn't really become his girlfriend. No. Well, well yeah. they were fucking for a little bit. Were they? Were they? Were, no. Did they have sex? No, there was no. like a flirtation, but I then it they was... had sex. She, she had sex with Hannibal. But she basically no, said... he had sex with her at first. He was the first. There was a there was a dalliance. It looked like no, then she they had sex. She basically, but it was like a moment where, but but it was over before it started. They slept with each other. But but I'm saying it was over before it started. <laughs> okay, the whole thing was right. when she saw how dark right, he right, was right. going with it. Did she backed away. They slept with each other. Really? Yes. This was a okay. So this was Will and Alana. Yes. I, look it up. They had sex with each other. <laughs> but I'll but, look up that. But they're quick. walking in the house together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that Hanwell wants to hide something from her, and he t- he takes his hand and smashes her head against the wall. Yeah. And then kind of drags her, and that's the first time that I realized that Hannibal was very different than the Hannibal that I'd known yeah, in right. any other form. He was big. He was scary, mm-hmm. and I had never seen. I never thought of Hannibal as a physical person. He moved like an animal. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I thought about Hannibal prior to him, the Anthony Hopkins one, I know it sounds weird, but I never pictured him being like a a brute. Mm-hmm. I pictured him being kind of like a samurai sneaking behind people and killing them. And this guy wasn't that. Yeah. And I love that. I like I like brutal people. In stories, yeah, I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like, I, and and it was the first time that I had really soaked in. Like, oh, this isn't gonna be. He's never gonna sneak to kill anybody. Yeah, it's gonna be very much like hunting. These... Oh yeah, like once he decides. That's what I'm saying. Like oh, once he God. decides, you're dead. Like he's not trying yeah. to like, like he's 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 who he is. His face, his human suit. I think he referred to it on yeah. the show. Mm. Um, he's in that human suit, but when he steps out of it, it's like I, I always think of this creepiest fuck thing I remember seeing on one of those true crime shows and it was John Wayne Gacy mm-hmm. his story and there was someone who he who lived in his house that was like boarding there 
and then they left after he tried to kill him one night, you know. But what they saw was something that all those other victims saw, but they died. Right. Yeah. And so what this person witnessed was they said that he grabbed him and he was like swinging him around and like he was growling and making dog noises and like snarling in his face and stuff. Wow. And John Wayne Gacy is this chubby, jocular-looking yeah. guy. And it's just like, okay, so not only is that a horrifying thing to have seen in your life, you're sitting there with someone and they're announcing that they're going to kill you and then they're they're doing that. But to think that all those people that didn't get out, that was the last thing yeah. they saw, Oof. that they experienced, was someone losing their humanity in front of them. Someone yeah, shedding yeah. their humanity and going animal. And that's what you're talking about yeah. with Hannibal, that suddenness, that, that viciousness. Super that, it's super like scary. super scary, but yeah, it's like so. Yeah, what you're what you're talking about, what you're reacting to there. At least to me, it makes me think of that feeling of like, oh god, that's yeah, that yeah. that was not just that they moved quickly or that what they did was brutal, but what they what I just saw was not fully human. You know, yeah, that's pretty nuts. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I know there was a moment or two, kind of what like Steve was talking about, where there was like a, a visual tableau where it just it un, and it was just amazing to look at. But I think my favorite moments on the show were the moments when like those those few times when Will Graham got the got the drop <laughs> on anybody or the few times when he was ahead of Hannibal or when you were seeing how far Will Graham would go and how dark he would go to uh to kind of best Hannibal there were some moments that again that played as black comedy um and then the character of uh, Chilton on the show was also very funny but I I think the 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 moments where his his he got like a bad deal in every season, you know, there was something yeah. awful that happened to him. And in the second season, where he's being framed for what's happened to uh, Gideon, yeah, yeah, and uh, he goes into his house, and it's just this dawning realization on his face of what's being done to him. I won't say that's one of my favorite moments because it was so unsettling, but I remember that show had me in the palm of its hand at that point because I was like feeling sorry for this guy who starts out very much like the character in the films. Yeah. Uh, Chilton is just a weasel, you know, yeah. self-serving weasel, but the show actually turned him into someone who you kind of root for or feel sorry for, or at the very least, especially in season three, the way things play out with Chilton, you realize when he's in the room with Jack Crawford, played by Lawrence Fishburne, who I really don't think has been better in almost anything that he's been on this show, and Will Graham, and even Alana Bloom, these people are cold-blooded people. And Hannibal is cold-blooded. And Chilton's just not. You know what I mean, Steve? Like, he's out of his league. When he's in that room, and he's, like, making a deal with them, like, this is what we're going to do, he's not on the same playing field as any of those other characters. There was something so, like... Pity, pitiable about that that he was on some level Chilton was just a guy who was eager to be liked and he really just wanted to be like in on the conversation and in the club and the worst thing that happens to him on the show is a direct result of them bringing him in at the at the end and again as awful oh as it was just the black comedy of it like the <clears throat> sadness and the comedy I don't know I think what they did with the character of Chilton was really something kind of impressive and surprising to mm. me Actually, I was going to say something about Jack Crawford's character. I thought that uh, some of the best stuff on the series was definitely uh, the way it handled him and Bella's relationship mm-hmm. and her passing. I thought that stuff was and the way that Hannibal so complicated moving. that. Yeah, um, that was handled really well. That stood out in the in the second, third season. But and they're married just... in real life. Uh... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, that's I his real that. life wife. Oh, wow, right? that's cool. So like that, I think added to the kind of tenderness of their scenes. But oh, the whole I'm notion sure. of her dying and her wanting to be in control 
of the manner in which she would decide to stop fighting. And, you know, that's, yeah, that's like compelling human drama that almost has nothing to do with the the serial killer stuff. Exactly. But it was still very dark and sad and scary in a kind of, in a different way. <clears throat> but I guess we're all fans. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I thought, um, what's his name? Michael Pitt as uh, as Mason Verger was <laughs> insane. Michael Pitt's an asshole in that show. No, but, you know, supposedly he's very difficult to work with in general. That that doesn't surprise me, man. But recasting that, I was worried about it, but I thought the guy who played Mason in the last season was, was really, it, it ended up being a really fun character to watch. Like, that show was full of just shit that was funny and entertaining that you realize I'm like, you wonder if you're a bad person for finding something funny when people's faces are getting bitten off and all kinds of awful things happening to the human body. The fact that you could still sort of, you know, find a degree of humanity within those people and say, well, amongst murderous cannibals, this one, I like this one. I, (laughs) this one, I don't like, I feel like it's a very, uh, uh, just an interesting thing. That show felt like it was a, a real, a real deep dive into some some murky psychological waters, and I thought it was handled really well. So, yeah, Hannibal, great show, great show. Um, so we're gonna name these shows. We're gonna go through some 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 favorites that we've been watching recently. <coughs> okay, excuse me. Want to start it off, Ronald, or do you want to? Start yeah, it off? I think mine, you guys have been watching more recent mine's shows. Mine's an odd one because it's it's the so if TV's a small screen, this is the smaller screen, and that and I'm picking it for a very specific reason. Um. So I've been following the web series uh, High Maintenance mm. for the last three years or so. Um, it's about a really like it. I saw just a few of the first yeah, batch, but I thought it was really great. Right? Yeah. So it's a um, great setup. Tell yeah. super super great setup. It's about a dealer that essentially goes to these people's houses and their stories kind of unravel from there. They share a, a good amount of information. Or he just kind of stumbles into a situation, or he helps people, and it, it these these individual stories, these standalone stories, just kind of unravel. What they play with some... is the idea that being a pot dealer, yeah, he he has associations with various different walks of life. So his yeah. day is everything from high powered lawyer yeah. to you know the so a prostitute. The, the, you, yeah, to, he, he meets all sorts. I of I thought people. that was a really clever way to connect all those different strata yeah. of yeah. society. I mean, and, and it could be everything from like him just sitting there the entire time, almost saying nothing to him, almost giving the best life advice you can ever get from a weed dealer. <laughs> um, no, what's, super interesting about this is it's been like three or four seasons um hbo just picked it up oh wow um but the vimeo actually has the first season for free and then i think like the third and the fourth the first and second are on there third and fourth i think you have to pay for but the show is so well shot dialogue's really good there's a couple comedians in it um people you'll recognize that have become more famous now um, but a really good show. Um, and I bring it up just because, like, just seeing somebody making their own content and then it turning into something kind of beautiful. This show that's going to, you know, it's I, the, the same quality is going to be maintained that they you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, High Maintenance is a really good show. And it's it's a fun comedy. There's some dark stuff in it. But it's definitely worth checking out. So The High Maintenance. High Maintenance. I'm just going to jump in with a... Um... Just a, this is a returning favorite. I believe we talked about this show uh, once before, but uh, it finished up its second season over the last uh, month or so, and I was 
still every week they've found some way to shock me and make me laugh just like they did the first time around but review uh i andy daly i, I love Andy. i just i think the love guys i think he's he's been in things and he's been popping up and he's played different types of that sort of you know that kind of character that he can play but hearing him on comedy bang bang the podcast the, the crazy demented characters he's done on that and then hearing just getting a little bit more of like his talk about darkness his comedy is very dark oh, and yeah. then review is like the perfect venue for like how dark is too dark how dark is dark enough and still being funny mm. also how dark is dark enough to fulfill the promise of this show that has already shown in its first season that it was willing to go there to some pretty oh. dark places and i thought what they did in the second season i don't think you can ever have that shock that you had in a first season of a show like that of just though this is good but it it maintained the just the nerve-wracking aspects of this mm. guy and the premise of the show if anyone is listening and doesn't know is just it's a silly meta concept and i like that they don't overwork <clears throat> how the show is made like the concept is this guy is like hosting a reality show where he <laughs> reviews life experiences where the premise is and i love the line life it's literally all we have <laughs> but is it any good <laughs> <laughs> and he gives a star rating to anything, everything from you know being a thief or being addicted to drugs to <laughs> eating thirty pancakes or whatever. But they always find a way to dovetail what what he's reviewing with something going on in his life that, in most cases, just deepens the the pit of this character. Like yeah. his morality, everything is subservient to him trying to uphold the standards of this ridiculous show. And they don't really, that's what I'm saying. They don't, I'm glad they don't overburden the show with trying to make it practical. Mm. Like it's very vague. Like there's not a lot of people reacting to the fact that he's running around with a camera crew doing this stuff, you know, but it is, it works just because the comedy is so strong and he keeps it grounded while it's as ridiculous as it is. I think it's, it's, it's really one of the most impressive uh, things I've seen on TV in recent years. So yes, check it out. I'm yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Review as well. And actually, just to kind of tag team on the Comedy Central wagon, one of the shows I have is Nathan For You, mm -hmm. which is uh, it's in its third season, just started uh, what will be when you hear this a, a few weeks ago. Uh, Nathan Fielder, he just, he, it's like a docu-reality series, uh, much like Review. Yeah. But basically, he's a guy that basically brings his talents of, of business background and, uh, well, I've got a question of business background and his life experiences to help failing business. A lot of it's failing businesses or businesses that are struggling or people that need help with something. So like he basically goes in and they agree to let him kind of go about his methods to help turn their business around. Mm. And in the first season, they got a lot of publicity and like a lot of national exposure for the series because two of the stunts they did um, kind of became news worthy like before they realized it was for a tv series oh wow they did one a stunt like where there's a like a petting zoo that was failing in california uh have you oh, wait have either of you seen the show no, no have you seen it john i've seen a couple but no yeah, I, yeah. like where basically he and and, and it, the things that he does are like unorthodox like crazy things that sound ridiculous but people are just so willing to try they just do it mm -hmm. so like this petting zoo like he basically sets this stunt up like their attendance is down and it's kind of looks like a shitty petting zoo mm. and he sets up this stunt where like he has a he has like a pond with like a a plexiglass sheet going under the water where he has like a i forget what animal was drowning but he has one of the pigs <laughs> swim out to save like this goat or something <laughs> but really all the pigs doing is walking across this plexiglass where well it went on you and it had like seven million hits really? and it became this big thing and it was revealed that it was like you know for a stunt 
But it's that kind of comedy where, like, you know, the the logic he places on what he's doing, even when you hear it, you're like, that is fucking crazy, but <laughs> it actually might work. Yeah. It's like that kind of craziness. Right, right. Um, the other thing that they did, you might have heard, did you ever see the videos for that dumb Starbucks? Yeah. That's his, that's yeah, his yeah. show. No, no. Yeah, like, basically, like, they, they, they were trying to compete with a Starbucks, so, like, they opened a dumb Starbucks, which was, like... Based on the the legalities of it, it was like fair use, and they were making fun of Starbucks. Yeah, if you're doing parody or satire right, or parody something. or satire. Really? He was like, kept talking about like Weird Al and things yeah. like that. So they had this like gallery that they set up, and everything was same as Starbucks, but it had the word dumb in front of it. So like they'd sell like dumb jazz CDs, <laughs> yeah. and they'd have like a dumb Frappuccino. And like the logo looked just like it, but like slightly different. Yeah. But just really, really funny stuff like that, and the situations that he gets into with these owners or these... Or these entrepreneurs, or whatever you want to call them, are just so ridiculous that, like, I find myself laughing so much during the show really? at like how, how crazy like some people are. Like him, he's crazy. He's hilarious. Yeah. But how crazy some people are to like let him do what he does. I know. It's like you cringe at the same time. There's a brilliance to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very, very. Uh... It's like it's very well put together and well thought out for what it is. You and know? that's what I think is what hooks them because, yeah. like, I don't, I think most, like, well, all the people that he has as part of the show, like, they don't know that he's like a comedian that's doing mm-hmm. this. They may be aware of his name, but, like, they, they're aware of that he is trying to save a business, save their business. Um, I, I definitely would recommend watching the first episode of this, this current season, which I think is season three. Mm-hmm. He tries to help this local TV store, like, compete with a Best Buy by exploiting their price matching policy <laughs> it is the most intricate plan he's had to date and it is fucking hilarious it involves it involves a small hatch door it involves an alligator yeah. and a craigslist post asking for people to go buy tv uh, it's it's so good it's what? so good you would die ronald. yeah no i think okay. you would love it ronald it's that so good really but it's on comedy central and it picks mm-hmm. up seasonally as review ends so it okay. just started its run um but yeah nathan for you is is, is a gem Ronald. Okay. Um, so, all right. Let me let me see. Because I'm trying to decide between two. I guess I'll just choose the... That's usually what happens when you're deciding between two. Yeah. You just choose. You just choose. <laughs> um, okay, so... Ronald, um, I have a quick word of advice. Choose one or the other. Okay. All right. Wow. That's really good advice, man. Um... SNL, loving SNL. Oh, you are. And all offshoots of it. I, but I don't think that everything that everybody does after SNL is necessarily the best. Will Forte, one of my favorite comedic actors, just just sketch wise. So when Last Man on Earth kind of came around, mm-hmm. I, I I was in to see it, right? Just to to give it a chance. Um, and then uh. Kristen Shaw and um, I heard that she was involved and I see them kind of interacting with each other. And I think I've stumbled upon one of the better shows that I've seen in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so funny. He's so shitty. Oh, I'm but so in glad such that, a good way. So, so you like it. Oh, I, I couldn't tell it, where you were man. going with that. Do you like it? I fucking love it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad he's because so st- it was going to be one of mine. <clears throat> yeah, he's so terrible in it, but in a lovable way. so... Because he always says he's them. so funny though. That's yeah. what it is. He's so he's 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 bringing something to that character that most actors wouldn't bring to their vehicle, yeah. which is that he's whiny, he's annoying, he's yeah. transparent, he's obnoxious, and yet you still 
like there's something great about him. And I've got to say, I've become like a Kristen Shaw super fan. Right. Between her work on Bob's Burgers and her work on Gravity Falls Falls. and her work on Flight of the Concords, and now that she's like clearly like the co-lead of this show. Yeah. She's, uh, they're just great. Her comic energy is fantastic. Them, them together is crazy. Yeah. Did you, are you guys caught up? Yeah. Uh, I missed the last I episode, didn't see the though. most recent one. The one before that had one of the, my favorite bits of physical comedy in television history. Which one? It's him trying to put the fire out. Yeah. While, while <laughs> every time he moves, he's buzzing himself. And when he screams in pain, God. he's macing himself. It's and so yet he funny. keeps trying. So he's like <laughs> trying to scream quietly while he's falling down and getting maced and getting buzzed. And he's still trying to put out the fire. Yeah, and also like the music. There's this theme that they play on that show. When like when um, when he sent the train for Carol or when she drove up yeah. and they were reunited. There's this music that goes dun, 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 dun. It's like an anthem. Yeah. They were playing that music underneath him saving the day. It's like heroic music. Yeah. So much about that show is just it's an odd little so good, combination man. of like an old fashioned sitcom. Because the situations, especially in the beginning when it was he's just trying to bone all the women, that's yeah. like that's like Jack Tripper from Three's Company type shit, you know. <laughs> but so it's a new spin on that type of sitcom character, yeah. And yet it's got this great like end of world mythology cooking, like that. It's you know the fact that it's uh, uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord. Is that yeah. what's their names? Am I getting their names wrong? Phil Miller. Phil Miller and Chris Lord. Which one? Which. His name is Phil Miller. That's the mashup. So they're Phil it's Lord the other, and Chris It's Miller. the other way. Yeah, but they're the guys behind the Lego movie. Yeah. The guys behind 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street. The guys, I'm super excited. They're writing and direct. I mean, I don't need a young Han Solo movie, but the fact that they're the guys that are writing and directing it is like a sign mm. that someone with some comedy chops might be doing it. I just think they're interesting. It's such an interesting show. I'm just glad. When you mentioned it, I couldn't tell if you were bagging on it or not. But no, I just think no. it's such a bizarre... Like I love that it's back, and I love that they've that they've created such a a freedom. There's so many places they could go in this yeah, world, yeah. And, and they that, actually had the first nod. I don't know if you noticed recently. They they gave us a year when uh, that guy Gordon, I think, that Will Ferrell played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his 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 death date was 2023. Right, right, right. So that's they've now set. We now know the show is set. You know, eight years in the future from from now. now. Okay, gotcha. which just helps because we don't know. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. like we don't know what happened. We know they've they've alluded to this sickness that killed everybody, but it's it's at that point where they can just throw in a new actor in a new part every few episodes, and it keeps the show like that first season. It the, the cast just grew, you know, person by person. But every person that added, it was a great foil to him. Oh and, yeah. I don't know. I'm glad that they've moved into a, a phase now where he's trying he's trying not to be the worst person on the earth, you know? I'm sure he's still going to find a way to, to, to be shitty. Yeah. But I like that they're not just leaning on the same joke. I mean, you know what I mean? If it was just him lying to people all the time, yeah. that would turn into more of a standard sitcom. And I feel like this show has the potential to go to some pretty wild places in terms of the plot. And also, re- this season, they introduced uh, Jason Sudeikis as his brother mm-hmm. that's just an interesting little plot to have cooking who who knows when or what yeah. that will have to do with anything but it's interesting it's like there's there's something going on with this show i feel like they're getting they're getting towards something that we yeah. don't know what it is yet but so good i, I... tandy tandy <laughs> <laughs> man just some of the things that they do and the fact that because it's everybody's died and they can they can 
they have so many props that they can use that yeah. play into the episodes too. Like when he he, he used the jet. Jet. God, that was hilarious. Why did he drop the? He Phil, dropped. we should go back and get that bomb. And he's like, I'll tell you what, I'll go back later and get that. He's like, you're the best. I love that he consults his fucking. Oh. What could have been yeah. a dumb one-off so gag funny, for the man. first episode has become very poignant when he yeah. thought he ran over the when he flattened the one with the steamroller. <laughs> God, that show is funny, it's, man. It's yeah. On network TV, like that's the funniest show. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's, it's got to be the funniest. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've always been a really big fan of Modern Family, but I feel like in recent years it's kind of like drizzled, like kind of, I don't know tampered off or whatever well it's the network effect of what we were saying about showtime it's like it ABC, really is abc's not gonna let that show go it is you know? exactly and that cast it. is probably not gonna want to say goodbye to that paycheck either you know right although i do think this season is actually pretty good the few episodes that i've seen of it but when i saw last man on earth i don't know if you actually ever said the name of the, the show or not but the uh the feeling of seeing a comedy like that on a network show a network station made me feel like this is like the new kind of this is a new kind of comedy that could work on yeah. the network station. Mm. And the fact that the second season was ordered so quickly and came out so quickly, that's just a really good sign for mm. like more edgy comedy like this to be on a network station. Like yeah. this movie this I mean this movie, this this show needs to be winning Emmys. Like it, it's it's so well written and it's so funny and 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 Will and Forte is done. so funny. Like He's the way so that even the way the, the title comes up, it's very artful. Like yeah, there's very, absolutely. It's, you're right. It feels very new and fresh, and it's one of the few. I mean, shit. Of any show I watch, you really wonder what's going to happen. Yeah, sure. You know, and that's yeah. unusual in a sitcom to have that. Feeling it doesn't of feel what as episodic, like where yeah. it's like a yeah. start and end to every episode. Mm-hmm. It still has a decent amount of action in it too. Like, yeah, yeah. There's there's yeah. a lot of things going on people in could it. Die, and, people mm-hmm. could, it's just exciting to see like a comedy like that on the network te- on the network station. I mean, I feel like Modern Family was that show for a long time. Like, I've never really been a big fan of a lot of sitcoms on network TV, mm-hmm. but um, of, of recent years rather, and like the ones that are always winning the Emmys, just like I don't care anymore to even care- to listen to anything about comedy on TV. But like, this is the kind of show that mixes it up, in my opinion. I mean, like and and like you said, Will Forte has never really kind of got the traction that he, I think, no. needed or God, deserved. God, he's so funny. He's and funny. I remember, like, I mean, it, it never went anywhere, but McGruber, I just remember feeling when I watched McGruber. He's great in Nebraska. Like, like, the, the, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. in a more serious role. But well, I, mean, I think now watching that in tandem, in tandem, in Tandy, in with uh, Last Man on Earth, though, it's like, because I went back and watched uh, Nebraska recently, and after having seen, like, it, it's it's... He's underplaying so so well in that, and it's great to realize. I don't know. I just feel like Will Forte. He's 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 got he's got a weird. He's got one of those people with a weird energy that's very specific to him, and yeah. and this is a great vehicle for it. You know, Last Man on Earth is. It really feels like. I mean, I, I think he has had a lot to do with creating it. But what I remember hearing was at some point he want he like an, like they were working on it, and then he was like, I want to. I think I could do this. I think I could play this because I think he co-created it with, with uh, Lord and Miller. Um, but no, that's just a yeah, great show. What an unusual show. Yeah. And I mean, I hope they keep changing the setting and keep changing so out too. the cast and stuff because that's the only thing that I started to worry about last season was if this is the new status quo, then it's just a cul-de-sac with wacky characters in it. Funny, but it would have been like a lot of other sitcoms. But if yeah. they keep changing the venue and keep having that evolve, then then yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool. Begging for someone's forgiveness at gunpoint is oh that was so yeah. fantastic. so good. Well, that was so great because it was one more indication, one more time where he doesn't need to do the thing he's doing. You yeah. know what I mean? Where he thinks he needs to. Uh. 
so good. My favorite, uh, him screwing himself, uh, was the uh, first season when, you know, it was his flair or his fireworks display that he was setting off because he was finally going to get to have sex with Melissa. Right. Th- that's what drew Todd <laughs> to the situation. So, so he's constantly doing something that's like ruining his own situation, you know. That was funny. Um, and that's why this season, when it started, it felt like, oh, they're kind of repeating that. But I really do feel like the fact that he now knows he needs Carol and that he loves Carol, maybe. Yeah. I think that deepens that character and makes him less, like, just awful. The fact that he is at least, yeah. you know what I mean? Because it's like, if he was going to continue to be mean to her, it would it would feel kind of off. But the fact that now they're kind of together and they're both... <laughs> the worst weirdo you know what i mean like yeah. she's allowed to be funny in a way that i don't think a lot of leading females on sitcoms are allowed to be you know right. she's she's goofy and, and bizarre Definitely. and so who's next john oh well you know last man on earth was was gonna be one so i'll just throw out some quick love to the returning fargo which okay. uh, has now just i've just seen the third episode of it um so when we when this episode comes out, I guess there will have been five episodes of Fargo. So hopefully the season will keep holding up uh, with the quality that it has. But, you know, it's rare for something I liked as well as Fargo, the first season, which is another show that when it was announced sounded like Hannibal. Like, why why redo this thing? And, and you know, then seeing Fargo and realizing it really wasn't that interested in redoing the story <coughs> at all. It was more about playing around in the the sort of psychological philosophical universe that the cohen brothers have set up mm. and i i mean i'm a big cohen fan so i love seeing all the nods all the characters that are pastiches of another character but they take them in a different direction it's very similar to the kind of spirit of adaptation of the hannibal reboot where it's like here's something you know and here's what you think's going to happen and we're going to maybe give you that but maybe with a different spice but fargo's even more off because it's none of the same characters right. of course but just the little nods to like this character kind of reminds you of something from a serious man, and this character or this scenario is is very much like uh, like Kristen Dunst or Kirsten Dunst's character in the new season of Fargo is sort of reminiscent of Francis McDormand from Burn After Reading. But this, oh, yeah. it, they're not really doing that. But it's a sort of vapid person whose whose self actualization is more important to her than than you know like the real life situation that she's in. Um, and little nods, even there's like a weird. There were, you, have you seen it yet this season? I saw the first episode. There was like a UFO yeah. sort of thing. Yep. Well, that's, you know, the man who wasn't there had yeah. like a flying saucer scene in it. And then the Kieran Culkin character from the first episode of this season is reminiscent of William H. Macy from Fargo and any number of other kind of weasels in a, in a you know, also like a Steve Buscemi character yeah. kind of pastiche. So it's like there's all these little nods, which if that were all it was, it wouldn't be a great show. Mm. But it happens to be engaging on a human level that sometimes even Coen Brothers movies aren't, you know, right. and mm. the story as it's told, it's a great ever widening story, ever deepening. And especially this season, it's definitely, you're watching all these different plot lines that you know are going to converge at some point. And every time an episode ends, I just get this feeling of like, oh, this isn't going to end well for, <laughs> for anybody. Because it just, they're setting up a real, this season is really, you know, the situations that you saw in the first episode have just gotten deeper. But there's there's people who are tangentially involved with this crime. And there's all these hardened criminals that are involved. And then there's these good cops that are trying to do the right thing that are involved. And everybody is going to converge at some point. And you know, in the spirit of like a Coen Brothers type thing, 
you know, everyone's not going to walk away, and yeah. the people that walk away aren't always going to be the best people. So, is so. it Bokeem Woodbine? Oh, he's yeah, great. In it. He's in it. Man, I love that dude. He's funny, especially hearing him do the sort of Minnesota nice kind of voice, like the kind of character he's playing. He's he's great. He's not okay. quite as chilling as the the Billy Bob Thornton character from the first season, but he's kind of playing a similar character to that like he's a guy every scene he's in he's like ve- this veiled threats with people you know <laughs> but ted danson is great in this wow. um and that talk about patrick it. wilson we were talking about that like he's playing the young keith carradine keith carradine in the first season this is flashing back to us like a story from his okay. youth or when his when he was a young man Patrick wilson's in it too he and he's amazing there's a scene in the last episode the one that just aired the third where he has a confrontation and he just doesn't blink He's like up against these hardened criminals and, and he doesn't blink. They're intimidating and they're not letting, you know, they're basically mm. saying, we're going to watch yourself or you'll end up dead. And he's such a good straight arrow lawman type character. The way that he handles himself in this situation is just badass just because he doesn't blink. And it's like uh, other actors may have been able to do it, but Patrick Wilson, like my wife and I both were like, my God, he was, that was a great scene, the tension. Wow. And you know what I mean? Like you're looking to see what the good person's going to do in mm-hmm. a Coen Brothers type story because usually good people do bad things in their stories. Mm-hmm. But thus far, he's a good person that is doing, oh, wow. the, doing good things, you know. Um, check it out. But no, definitely recommended. Nice. Fargo. Uh, I have another comedy. Uh, this is a comedy that is on Amazon right now. I think it started on Channel 4 in the U.K., we talked about it briefly before, but it's called Catastrophe. Oh, man, I gotta Holy see this. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was our conversation before, I think. It was it was the same thing. Oh, Steve. So, and this is funny, because I'm not super familiar with Rob Delaney, or with, um, what's, the, what's the woman, uh, the female lead's name? Um, crap. Um, I'm not familiar with their, his or her comedy prior to this show, and I kind of just stumbled upon it, just browsing maybe through mm-hmm. Amazon, you know? Yeah. I'd heard a couple things about it, um, and I kind of just binged through them all, and I've watched the season one like three times now. Same. Just because it's so funny. It's I feel really like well I feel like we keep saying like it's so funny, or I at least keep saying about some of these comedies, it's just so funny. So one, it is just so funny. Period. That's just my statement. Mm-hmm. But this is like the kind of comedy that is so raunchy, which I fucking love. Mm-hmm. And but it, there's so much heart to this show as well. Yeah. Like they argue. Like, there's circumstances that bring these two characters together. He, like, plays a guy from, like, Boston, and she's from, I think, Ireland. And they hook up one night in London, and she gets pregnant, and he decides to stay and and, and help raise the child, and, and, and what happens should follow. Mm-hmm. But, like, their dynamic, their chemistry just works so well. Works probably better than, like, probably 90% of any other relationships that you see in, like, TV's shows, or yeah. even maybe movies. I mean, there's something that just clicks with them, and I think it's just the banter... I think it's just how like rapid fire they they talk. Mm-hmm. It feels real. Like not that, not that Aaron and I have the same conversations or that we are as like dirty in terms of like their humor, but just how quickly things just come out. Like you don't censor it. You know, mm-hmm. like it just yep. comes out. And then and there's not children in the show. You know, so there's like not an ex- there's not like a yeah. need to like censor any of this stuff. Um, even though sometimes they play that for laughs when kids are around, like the, yeah. the lack of censor. <laughs> But the the I don't know like I, I I feel like I need to watch more of his stand up. I don't know anything about him. I know the second season just debuted um, in the UK. I don't know how quickly Amazon will have it. Oh, I will. Have but um, but I know Rana will have it before the Amazon does. But I know you're a fan too. But it, huge it's just, fan. 
They're both hilarious. They're really funny. Like, man. there's not a lead in the show. They're co-leads, and they're just as funny as the other, yeah. which is a rare thing. Mm-hmm. You know, usually, like, I feel like even with um, another, not not to, like, not to Walker this, but the the <laughs> Difficult People show. Like, on Hulu, Love that Billy show, Agnes, too. It, it feels similar to this. Like, yeah. they're not in a relationship. They're friends in that show. But this this hits me more just because of the relationship, because yeah. of the circumstance that forces them into the relationship, which is her pregnancy. And um, Carrie Fisher it shows up in a few episodes as, as Rob Laney's mom, and she's really funny. Um, I don't know, just you've got to watch this show. No, I, 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 I mean so everything raunchy. I've heard about it. Yeah, it's so raunchy. It's so spiteful. Like it's just so it's it's hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious. Has it? It's cool because like the raunchiness isn't corny either man which i, I really not at all like. yeah it's I not it's, desperate either yeah, like, like not, some i feel like some yeah. attempts at that feel very intentional and like we need to make this sound raunchy like it just sounds like this is how this guy talks yeah oftentimes and it's how just, she talks it's just crass or exactly something. yeah, yeah. And it, it doesn't come off like that to me it's so fast um the dialogue is so fast but i mean the, the, the key though is that it's super romantic mm-hmm. yeah. like the heart that i'm talking about like there's genuine romance in the in this series, like, which is so like crazy because a lot of like the sitcoms and re, or even like some of the dramedies or dramas like they have the romance element. It, there's no genuine nature to it at all. Like, mm-hmm. you you feel like moments from each character, like he's really a good guy or mm-hmm. she's really just looking for this kind of like element that she's been missing from her life, mm-hmm. and and you feel like they start to complement and supplement one another in different ways that I don't think either expect. And to be a series that only lasts six seasons, like mm-hmm. or six episodes in the first season and only half an hour each or whatever it is, I feel more fulfilled watching this romantic comedy than I probably have felt watching most movies, romantic mm-hmm. comedies yeah. in, in a long while. It's solid, man. So it's so good. You 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 will love this show. Yeah. And I have no doubt Well mentioning it in the same breath as difficult people is good because that's a that show just oozes funny, you know what I mean? And that like I could see how that addition of a little heart or a little romance could could work well in that. Yeah, no, that kind of definitely movie. worth checking out. You and, could uh, watch it in a sitting and not feel like you've wasted. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I've watched it three times because if yeah, you just I let it roll, it, it just feels like a long romantic comedy. It's it's yeah. two and a half hours, but it's it moves so quick that it would never feel like two. Yeah. It never it doesn't feel that long at all. Great show, man. Great, great, great show. I'm glad you watched it. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little while ago, and I had just started to watch it yeah, right, at that right. point. <clears throat> but I watched it like I watched I actually watched it at work today again the entire series <laughs> yeah, so, to just so watch good, it again yeah. it's so easy to watch yeah. it's so much fun and he I, I like I said I don't know him I'm not familiar with him I know that he's apparently a pretty well known person yeah. he has the, the raunchiest world. tweets like, right, I remember you told me that before yeah. I was like what the fuck like how, he's in the show and then I watched it it's it's super... but he, he reminded me like a Don Draper, the way he like <laughs> yeah, yeah. dresses and his hair is, yeah. and the, even just the way he delivers words, mm-hmm. but like not Don Draper yeah. at all. But just something about him <clears throat> is, is it's that look. He looks so polished and clean. And he's like yeah. an advertising sales guy, but just the way he talks is like a <clears throat> no. He's a, yeah. He's got like a square chin and everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's more British than American, which is super important. <laughs> yeah. That's super important to the way... I didn't realize until like I'd watched it for the second time how little American elements are mm-hmm. in it. But it really is... It has like a British pace to it. Like the real sharp... It's a sharpness to it that that I haven't seen in a lot of shows. It's 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 really good. It's, so, it's, yeah, it's just really well-balanced. Yeah. Like, 
which doesn't true. feel like very American in some, in some <laughs> yeah. ways. Um, <coughs> mine is a new show, a new show. Um, so uh, Gerard Carmichael. Oh yes, <sighs> one of my favorite comics, right? He had nothing on the internet whatsoever, right? And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, they're like, Spike Lee's going to direct his his stand-up debut. It's going to be on HBO. I'm like, what the? who the fuck is yeah, this, who is this guy? Yeah, so I heard he got a development deal like years before that. And then it kept going on and kept going on. Didn't see anything about it. Heard the pilot was incredible, but I still didn't see anything about it. So then the show premiered only, I think only six episodes showed up. Uh, and it was like a summer thing, and they yeah, were burning it yeah, off. Like it really yeah. felt like they delayed it. It was, it was but it was out. at the same time as that that Craig Robinson yeah, show. It was supposed to come out the same day. They delayed it a month, mm-hmm. and then it started to come on the same day as it, but just at a different, like a month later. So it kind of lagged. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like it felt like it was one of those summer things where they were like, let's like the Craig Robinson yeah. show really felt like this isn't going anywhere. Let's burn it off in the summer. And the the Jared Carmichael show kind of felt like. The yeah. same thing was going on, but it it got enough. I mean, I was glad to hear because the one I saw was really funny. And yeah. did you see it? I've watched a couple. Honestly, I've, I've I have it hasn't clicked with me. Right. So <clears throat> all right, I'm I was raised on like like good times and all the Norman Lear stuff. I like the idea. So I didn't know that it was going to be like almost like play style, right? So it stays yeah. in like one one room. They See, take, I think that's what I, I don't know if I would maybe say maybe that it. threw me off. Yeah, it's yeah. fuck. It's a fucking hard. It's so what. What he wanted to get back to was like the idea of like taking a subject and beating it up through dialogue, almost to the point where like it's been exhausted, right? And I think that it's such a timely thing. Like a podcast, yeah, like a podcast. It's such a timely thing because they're tackling things that people aren't tackling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess besides Blackish, which is mm-hmm. one of those shows that is, and I, I wanted to mention Blackish, but. This show is important for a lot of reasons. The fact that, like, to have almost no resources in a show and kind of let dialogue be the thing, like like Catastrophe is, like, kind of relies on dialogue more than anything else. There isn't a lot of physical comedy or anything like that. It's super important because words are important, right? And, I'm, and I think I want to get back to shows that rely more on, like, witty dialogue mm-hmm. over just bullshit and i like good shows like that and like why well, don't feel like this is like the best show i've ever seen there's something about that feeling that i felt when i used to watch like good times and different strokes and those shows that hit on really serious things and still were light at the same time and kind of married these things along in an episode and still didn't move that much they mm-hmm. didn't they didn't have to go to like a park, yeah. and, you know, have 15 different locations for a show that really makes me kind of hopeful. Yeah, I mean, I, that is, this, I think it feels like a, it feels kind of old-fashioned. Yeah, super and, old-fashioned. And even if it doesn't quite click, I, I I see such potential there. Right, right, right. right. And I like, I kind of, I, I saw the one that was kind of like focused on Black Lives Matter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. And, I, and I remember thinking just like how, I just thought it was neat that that format of sitcom was was biting off that particular subject matter right, and right. attempting to deal with it. Like you said, showing the different sides, the different reactions, that you've got the kid who's saying here's what's going on and you know yeah. in the world and then you've got the dad who's still sort of saying but don't walk like a crook or whatever he was saying <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah, i mean yeah. i think that kind of thing like i think that reminds me of like archie bunker or something yeah. like that where you weren't supposed to think 
that the worldview of the characters was the worldview of the show. You were supposed to see that some of these people are with it and some of these people need to catch up or whatever. Right, right, right. I just feel like there's potential in that. Yeah, and I would yeah. hope that they, yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad it's coming back, basically. Me too. Me too. I, and like I said, I don't think it's the best show and I think that it's fine in his voice and he's really young and doesn't have much experience in this sort of format, but there's something something there that's super magical that I I, I only really felt a couple times with, except <clears throat> with like Catastrophe and stuff like that, which I watch i also watched this a couple times too because it's so short how many how many episodes are in the season six okay six in it and try to check them out yeah man it's 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 a weird i think i only saw that one that yeah mm-hmm. the first i think it's it might have been the pilot it's a weird show um but and i thought it was gonna happen with the first louis show the one the hbo yeah. one For, uh, that, that's the, the one part. i thought of it's like where yeah, the, the, it's like a, a, a Cheap old set, yeah. and it looks like the Honeymooners or something. Yeah, yeah. two places, <laughs> like two places, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of dialogue. Um, and there's something about that that I I miss watching good times and shows like that, and, and Sanford and Son and Jeffersons and and uh, yeah, those shows really, really hit something. Well, I mean, I think that what it is is that for me anyway is that like we've seen so many shows like Seinfeld, which broke outside of that. Like they had, they had their sitcom sets, like Jerry's apartment and the yeah, restaurant. Definitely. But they also had like twenty scenes every episode that happened in other places. And then you get into the uh, the single camera shows where you've got like you know the Office, Parks and Rec, oh, yeah, yeah. Thirty Rock, where you're not tethered to that location. There is something about forcing it into that location and making it work yeah. that I think there's something there's something about that old fashionedness that is impressive to see because Definitely. you have to have the characters you can't show them at the state fair you have to have them walking in the door with the cotton candy and the stuffed animals saying <laughs> yeah. oh god you know what i mean but yeah. like there's episodes from from those shows from the jeffersons from all in the family where you feel like you saw them do something that you didn't really see them do because what you saw was them coming home and talking yeah. about it and that that may speak to like the cheapness of sitcoms yeah. and the the repetition of them but it also speaks to real life because that is where those conversations happen it is it is the living room or the table, you know, yeah. the, the the dining room table. So I think that, like, I think, yeah, I mean, I totally see what you're saying because I felt the same thing. Like, I didn't, like, love it, yeah, yeah. but I thought, like, oh, I'm glad this exists. And when I heard they were making more, I was like, oh, cool, that might actually get to be something. Right. Because I don't think anybody else is quite going to have that voice right now. No, It's a network so. sitcom with a young African-American lead, and it's going to take on issues. And it's a it's an old-fashioned laugh track sitcom you yeah. i mean that's that's not that common right now yeah. so yeah so it's worth checking out carmichael yeah. show so my last one is uh one i think we've all talked about but i don't know that we ever really gave it more than a minute or two and i don't know that we need to give it more than a minute or two now but i when i was looking back on shows that i've enjoyed this year i have to uh i have to throw a little bit of love to bloodline i, th- I think that it was a it was it was the ultimate example for me i wanted to have an example of a show that was a binge an object of binging for me. And this was one where I don't know if I would have hung in there if it were a weekly drama. I don't know if, if it didn't have the production values and that and the performances that it has. I don't know. It's like it's like decent material that is elevated by the way that it's filmed and the way that it's acted. And uh, some of the performers in it, like Ben Mendelsohn in particular, Kyle mm-hmm. Chandler also, Linda Cardellini was great. Um, they're all doing something... That just it's that long form storytelling that we've come to love from these from these prestige shows, and it really is like a thirteen 
episode Eugene O'Neill play or something like that. Like it's just it's got all this family stuff and the past coming back to haunt you and mm. it does have death. It does have, you know, lies. It does have deceit. It has all those things that make for good drama, but it wouldn't be that special if it didn't have these great performances grounding it. And I right, think sometimes right. when you tune in for television, that's what you want is characters that you you kind of want to invite back into your home. Um and uh, I, I mean, I think Steve mentioned to me that it was pretty good, and so I checked it out. And it was, yeah, within a day I had watched two or three episodes, and then within two or three more days I had probably finished. I remember saying to Nikki, you need to start watching Bloodline and catch up with me so that we can we can watch that show together. <laughs> and then she, within a day or two it was apparent that she wasn't going to catch up with me, and so then she was like, uh, we need to watch another episode of that Bloodline. And I was like, I already, already finished it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was definitely a pulse-pounding kind of an episode would end, and I would say, well, I've got to watch the next one. And mm. I don't know how interested I am in them rehash. I mean, I could see the story going some interesting places in season two, but I really wanted it to be a one season and, you know, one of those shows where they, they tell right. a story and they're done. I can see if those performers want to come back, I can see why they would say there's more meat to, to get into there. But as just a story about the kind of the lies that people tell to keep keep their image of themselves and their family intact and the things that people will do to protect a secret, I thought that even if there were no second season coming, it was a really good drama. I mean, it was just rare for me to sit down and watch a drama that doesn't have a lot of gimmicky stuff attached to it. So, mm. so yeah. And, and again, you just can't beat the acting. Like, Kyle Chandler has played that kind of morally questionable character before, but never with this kind of depth to mm -hmm. it. And Ben Mendelsohn, just one of the most watchable performances like every time you every time he would he would just kind of ooze into a scene and you would wonder like how's he gonna how's he gonna like stir this up just a great instigator character who was actually maybe not as bad as everyone thought he was by the time the season was up but but you still could understand why he was the black sheep of the family you could understand why his big brother wanted him to just go the fuck away um yeah really really good stuff so cool. hands down my favorite Netflix show. Oh yeah. Period. I mean, actually, and I would agree with you. It's probably it's my favorite drama that I've seen probably in the last year or two. Mm -hmm. I I can't. I mean, I probably only disagree because I I want to see more because I'm just so. Well, I do want to see more, it. but I'm just saying I'm I afraid. Need to see more. I'm afraid of what they might do because I've heard they're going to maybe extend the Ben Mendelsohn character with flashbacks and stuff, and yeah. I just worry that it won't be as amazing as it was the first time around but i'm that's, that's valid I'm, I'm happy to be disappointed uh, i'll take as much you know. kyle chandler and ben Mendels as i can get yeah when is um, that coming back oh i don't know I, I think it came out like march or april okay of last year so i mean they usually stick to that sort of annual thing so okay. usually house of cards is in february and i think that'll be march or april they seem to do the thing you're right where they want at least like every month or as House of Cards, as people are no longer talking about House of Cards, they want to have something else. And sure. I think that the show did well enough critically for them to view it as kind of a returning champ. Yeah, I or love, something, I love so. that show. Uh, the last one I have is another um, new comedy. This is uh, another Amazon uh, title. This is actually an Amazon original series that was a part of their pilot season back in 2014. Um the pilot episode was directed by David Gordon Green. It's like a throwback to the 80s sitcom, coming-of-age drama mm. um, called Red Oaks. Mm. Um, so I watched it. the pilot like last year and like loved the pilot. And um, it was one of the two shows that got picked up from Amazon. But it, it just now, when this is airing, it will have come out maybe like two and a half, three weeks ago. Okay. <clears throat> but um, 
it's basically just a it's just a summer set in the eighties. This guy working at a country club as a tennis instructor before he goes back to you know college and just kind of like living life. You know, going through some hard times with his parents, <clears throat> with his friends, with his boss, with people that he works with. And there's a lot of fun like side characters that you get to follow as well. Um, the, the the lead is you you'd probably know him, uh, Craig Roberts. He was in Submarine. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the main guy. Yeah, he was also in Neighbors last year, but <clears throat> just a, a really kind of clean yet raunchy enough because it's on a on a streaming service. Um, coming of age title and like you know the throwbacks of the '80s is always a hook for me. Mm. Soundtrack's awesome. Um, all of the set pieces are really fun. Just definitely like you know the handheld old VHS cameras are all over the place. Just cool things like that. I mean, like I really like this show that's on TV, the the comedy Goldbergs. Like it's like a '80s thing too. It's a great show. But it's very much like that, just because it, it taps into that nostalgia. But this is a, is a more straightforward. I guess you'd call it a dramedy, because um, it does tap in. Richard Kind's in it. Paul Reiser. <clears throat> um, and they kind of a few different directors doing the season. I think there's ten episodes. Amy Heckerling does one of them mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> from Fast Times and Clueless. Um, just a well-rounded '80s throwback. Mm. And um, I think it's kind of cool about the series is that like the episodes, like there's definitely you know there's a story arc, but the episodes themselves kind of tap into a lot of the themes of a lot of the '80s comedies Mm -hmm. like and even not just like the high school comedies but like there's an episode where there's like a body swap you know there's an episode where they're talking about drugs and like what the impact of drugs are on you (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know like the the stepfather who you know you you don't want to go home because your stepfather is like weird and he looks at you the wrong way (laughs) like just like weird like awkward shit that would be like an after school special kind of stuff Mm -hmm. that we we would see growing up and uh yeah, I don't know. It's cool. Like I, I was looking forward to hearing that they they picked it up and it finally came out. And uh, yeah, I watched <clears throat> all ten episodes in one night, so it's oh. very easy to watch. It's a quick watch, only half an hour each episode, but that's on Amazon uh, Instant. So okay, and that's yeah. one produced straight for Amazon too. So I checked that out. I added to my queue. Added to your queue, Ronald. That's the thing. I know you. I know you got that Prime. I do, and I love it. Woo! That's a lot of TV, fellas. That is a lot of TV. It is. We're and all that TV, and there's still so much more. I know. There's still the things like the Americans that we'll, yeah. we'll never get to yeah. see. <laughs> so many so many shows. One one other one I wanted to throw out there, just as an, an honorable mention, that I was really kind of fighting, wanting to watch, and getting into, but it's so, it's such a guilty pleasure cheeseball fest. It's the Scream Queens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think Ryan Murphy did this. A uh, guy does American Horror Story and did mm-hmm. Glee. Yeah, I can't decide how I feel about him or how I'm supposed to feel about him. Because I feel like, on one level, I admire... Like, I, on paper, I love what he's done with American Horror Story. But when I try to watch that show, I I feel like it's horror for people that don't really like horror. Like, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that seem to love those shows that... And I haven't heard much about Scream Queens, but it does seem like there's... Like, it's that glee (coughs) sort of... It's like a mashup of that kind that's of exactly, sensibility. That's all and I don't it is. necessarily love that sensibility, but I, I, I am intrigued by the fact that for some people, this is going to define like horror 
like what's what's happening right now in horror a lot of people are looking to american horror story or looking to scream queens you know what i mean as yeah. like that's a form of something i'd always thought that horror would work well in that kind of episodic television format so theoretically i should be supportive of the idea of these shows but when i watch them i feel like it's a lot of it's a lot of noise a lot of uh, I don't know, like, I feel like every every sequence is shot like a music video that doesn't necessarily link up that well to the sequence before it or after it. So there's something about it that I just can't quite Well, no, everything with. you just said is accurate. Yeah. Like, that, that it's not a good show. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm but, saying but no, it's, I'm like, not... it's, it's become like a guilty pleasure of mine mm, to yeah. see where this show goes. Because, like, once you get past, like... Like what? To, what what to, are they going to do this week? Right, like I had to watch the first two episodes like three times to get through them mm-hmm. and to pay attention to what was going on. <laughs> but now it's the kind of thing where like, okay, now there's like whatever six episodes left, and like I want to know where the hell they go with this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many like things happening. Yeah. Like, how are they gonna? How are they trying to tie it together, or are they not? Are they just basically saying this is how erratic like youth is? Like you know that they yeah. can't think a, a single thought of the near story. It's not gonna work. Is Nick Jonas still on it? Or he, yeah, he's, he's in it. Like he's he's he's, he's been in like. A couple episodes. He's, like he's two. I watched the first two episodes. Yeah, he's not as involved as I thought he was going to be, but apparently he's got some big role in it. I don't know. Gotcha. But I don't know. It's 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 silly fun, is what I've like. Well, no, I'm when actually, you say guilty pleasure, because yeah. I started watching this season of American. I watched the first couple episodes, and I just didn't follow up on it of American Horror Story when it came out. Was it, aren't they on their fourth or fifth fourth. season now? Um, and then when this, oh no, fifth season. And then when this one came out, I was like, "Well, I'll give it a shot." Mm-hmm. And I watched it, and I was like, "Okay." And I found myself thinking I would probably watch it again to see what what the fuck where it was going, happening. what's happening, but not out of like feeling like, "Oh man, I'm this is so addictive." But then Scream Queens, again, it sounded like again, it just on paper that's what I would have wanted somebody to be doing, or what I would want to be doing would it, be saying like, "Oh, let's totally let's take that. a slasher film and turn it into a." into a 13 episode series you know but when i actually see it there's it's like it there's a there's an annoyance factor to it or something it's so <laughs> annoying but what is it about it that's it's annoying. so just the characters yeah. it's like just the most You're annoying right. archetypes of like college life are like that that age bracket you mm-hmm. know and even the adults you know are, are annoying and um everything's tweaked you know like yeah. everything's over the top yeah I, weird random thing that one one of the girls in the in the series i one of the characters I really like in this series is her, the actress's name is Billy Lord. Mm-hmm. Who I was like looking at, like, what has this girl been in? Well, she's apparently like the daughter of Carrie Fisher. Oh. And like, and some town agency CEO or whatever. But I was reading about her because, like, she's really great in the show, and her character is like one of the better characters in the show. It's not like a lead, but sort of. But apparently, like, She's never acted before. Oh, wow. Her first movie is episode seven. Oh wow! She's in episode seven, and then she gets Scream Queens, and like she's. Mm-hmm. A, I was like, what? That's the crazy. Fuck? That's that's, a that's, first, just, that's just how it works, you know. When you're when you're first to do, the yeah. daughter of Princess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Wow. But it's cool. I mean, it's 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 a silly series, but I I've actually, I bit, I bit. I, I I'm I'm watching. Yeah. Now, no, I, so. I like I said, I'm probably gonna watch this the rest. I mean, I'm probably going to catch back up on. Yeah. American Horror Story because I have that question of what the fuck is this all about? Yeah. <laughs> like, where's this? This going? season of American Horror Story is actually I, I'm kind of into it as well. Like the ho- it's like hotel, mm-hmm. like uh, Lady Gaga's in it, and 
I want to see a, a love Lady Gaga. I watched all three episodes the other night just because I was so behind. <laughs> yeah, I watched the any, first one. Is it any good? Is it worth... <clears throat> um, it, this, it, I think it suffers from the same thing. Like, Were you going to say, is it any good? Is it worth watching? Because I would say maybe yes to the second question, <laughs> probably no to the first question. But I, I think it's almost immaterial. This stuff is exactly. like... This stuff is like embracing its, its trashiness in a strange way. Totally, yeah. Mm. I feel like it suffers from every season of what American Horror Story did after the first season, which is like there's just too much shit going on. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many, like literally, there's like ten recognizable characters, mm-hmm. actors in the series, and you're only on episode two. So you're like, where do, how do you pay off on any of that? Yeah, you know? and where does it go story wise? But um, yeah, like was that character. <clears throat> in there as just a vignette of something awful happening to someone or is that going to turn out to, to be important yeah, yeah, right. exactly but i mean i'm i'm interested i mean it's yeah. kind of it's kind of crazy i, I think where i where i left off on it i think i'm up to date on it well as of recording this but i thought mm. the guy in the mattress was a pretty creepy idea yeah they go back to that a couple times but just that notion of yeah. like Someone coming out of the mattress, someone being sewn into a mattress, or someone hiding in a mattress, that's pretty pretty scary. Yeah. That is scary. Yeah. The whole hotel is really scary. It's kind of... Demonic, lot, lot yeah. of, There's like a lot of nods to The Shining, and mm-hmm. just the, the look of it is very much like that, and um, very creepy. I, I, I would check it out. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. If you like Lady Gaga, and you're like, I want to see her involved in the bloodiest sex scene that's ever been on television. Oh, wow. The first episode. You know, I, I like don't like Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. Like I like her music. I, I can get into some of her music, and I I get the like I like her pop music. You know, yeah. and and as an artist, I guess. But I remember when I heard that she was going to be in the series, I was like, I don't why. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> is this like just like a hook? But it's just another campy. You know what I mean? It's just another but, amp to eleven kind but, of thing. But like, she's good. Is she good? she's good? Like not so much like when you first see her, yeah. and like Aaron and I were both like, oh man, she's fucking annoying. But then as she goes through and like she has more of an arc and you kind of get to know more about the, the, like like the character and like where she plays into this where you think the storyline might go um I think that her like her oddness like it, it's perfect for, okay. for mm. that. So that's I'm like okay that's that's probably why they got it. It does for feel this. like I mean but that's a it's a perfect marriage because yeah. everything I'm saying about the kind of over the top kind of campiness kind of should I take this seriously or is it annoying about that show you just described it's, her it's like her public image and the yeah. way she presents herself in videos it's very much that thing it walks this line of yeah. like is this person obnoxious or is she just kind of is she kind of having a laugh you know and yeah. you're, you're you either get it or you don't but so okay yeah right, so get to it yeah. we have plenty of stuff to watch now yeah a lot of stuff to watch by the time this episode comes <laughs> out we will know uh whether it's good or not, but I'm still very excited to see Ash versus Evil Dead this oh, yeah. this Saturday. And That's everything I've good. heard, it sounds like it's in like the people seem to be saying that the tone is is what you're is hoping there, for, yeah. you know. So like whatever the episodic storyline is like, the notion that this is, you know, I mean, it just feels like it's it's fun to see something that like I think when we first talked about this, I mentioned it as something that if you'd asked me what would be something that you don't think will ever happen but that you'd like to see? I would have said, oh, an Evil Dead show starring Bruce Campbell as Ash. <laughs> yeah. I just love that it exists and it's actually, you know what I mean? Something that you would have read about as a maybe this will happen and yeah. you'd be like, no, nah, that'll never happen. We're now in the age where that kind of weird shit happens. happens. Yeah. And where they have the sense to bring it back but with him, not with some 19-year-old guy playing young Ash right. or something. That's That'd what I really like cool. about it is that it's the it's the original you know people that worked on the movies. And I think Sam Raimi directed the pilot yeah. too. So. Yep. Cool. Nice. 
So yeah, we will we will know by the time this <clears> is out whether that was good. But as of now, that is this Saturday. I think okay. that it comes out. So sounds good. Oh guys, how how do we have time to do anything but watch stuff based uh, on the way that we talk? I don't know, man. It's a talent. It's a true talent. <laughs> <laughs> it's called multitasking. Yeah. So speaking of which, you're about to run out of here. Are you still going to go do some comedy? I don't know. You don't I'm know. really tired at this point. The bed's looking really good right I now. I gotta say, I envy the crowd that gets you at this at this energy oh, level. It's <laughs> the worst. Just talking about sleeping. <laughs> sleeping is so good. I'm so fucking tired. Have you guys ever slept before? It's so good. All right. That said, thank you for listening to episode 147 of Movie Schmovie. Hit us up on Facebook, mm-hmm. iTunes. Let us know what you think. And as always, you made us get. <laughs> you did it.